Hello and welcome everyone to Core Values, an official podcast of Broken Arrow Schools on the AeroVision Network. I'm your host, Adam J. Foreman, Executive Director of Public Relations for Broken Arrow Schools, and this podcast is made possible by our wonderful One Club sponsors, First National Bank of Broken Arrow, TTCU, the Federal Credit Union, Ascension St. John Broken Arrow, Tulsa Bone & Joint, and the Arrow Group. I am joined by some wonderful people today, and I'm just going to just call out your name randomly and see what happens. It's Kristen Hennis, Executive Director of Teaching and Learning. Hi, Kristen. How are you? Thank you for having me. Um, thank you for being here. Uh, Teresa Boker, principal of Creekwood Early Childhood Center. Hi, Teresa. Hello. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. And then Brandy DeBruin, speech pathologist at Aspen Creek Early Childhood Center. Welcome. Thank you. So today we're going to talk about all things Early Childhood Center, and you are the experts in the room. I am not. So before we do that, though, we're going to get some background on everybody and just kind of see where everybody's journey has led to here. So, Kristen, we're going to start with you, because why not? Tell us a little bit about your educational journey and how you got here today. Okay. Well, I have a degree in child development, a master's in educational leadership, and I have been a pre-K through second grade teacher and a early childhood um, principal, well, elementary principal. I was a principal at Oakcrest. Um, before I came, became the director of early childhood and on to executive director of teaching and learning. And where did you go to college? Oh, I went to, I graduated from UCO in Edmond and I got my master's from NSU here in BA. Go NSU. I love fellow alums. I love all alums. <laughs> where did you go to high school? That's a good question. Medill, Oklahoma. It's, I've never heard of that. It's south on Lake Texoma in between Ardmore and Durant. Well, how about that? Or as we say, do rant. Do Awesome. And how long have you been with Broken Arrow? This is my 12th year. Or I'm starting. Do the hashbacks in the air. 11th. Yeah. Finishing my 11th. Nice. Awesome. Well, welcome. All right, Teresa, let's hear about your background. All right. So I graduated high school from Claremore, Oklahoma. So did I. Go Zebras. Yay! And then I went to um, NEO for two years and got an associate's degree, and then went on into NSU and got an early childhood degree. I started teaching in 1994. I've taught for, well, I taught in the classroom pre-K through first um, for 17 years. And then I got uh, my master's in school administration from Northeastern State University. And I came on board with uh, Broken Arrow in 2011. And it's been a great journey. I did assistant principal at Liberty Elementary for two years, and then I um, was asked to be the principal at Creekwood Early Childhood Center, and uh, that's my journey. Decade plus with us. That's That's awesome. Awesome. All right, Brandy, tell us about your educational journey getting here. Um, I went to high school in Depew, Oklahoma, but... They say deep. What's the mascot there? It's a hornet. A hornet. Okay. Yes. Awesome. Not as cool as a zebra, I must say. <laughs> a red and white zebra, mind wow. you. We don't do black and white. We were red and white. That sounds great. <laughs> it really was. <laughs> um, then I went to, I also went to UCO. I got an elementary education degree. I graduated in 2011 with that. Immediately went in to get a bachelor's in speech pathology and then finished my master's in 2015. And then I worked for Seminole Public Schools for a little while Um, I moved to um, Boston and did some early intervention. You do uh, therapy inside of a home with children birth to three. Interesting. Similar to our Sooner Start program. Right. Um, And then I came to BA in 2020. I worked here for two weeks 
before spring break 2020. So, oh, no. Yeah. So we I know did, what happened then. Yeah, we never came back. Um, so I kind of got to know everyone in BA behind a computer screen um, and then came uh, to Aspen Creek ECC. I think my transition from a Sooner Start type background kind of made that a little easy and kind of a perfect transition as I work with Sooner Start. So I love Boston. Yeah. Love Boston. Did you love your time up there? Um, yes. It's yeah. beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. Anyway, no more waxing poetic on box. Let's talk about early childhood centers and anybody can chime in at any time. Why? Why do we have early childhood education? What is a wonderful significance about it getting it that early? Anybody, volleyball? I would say it's the best way to get a solid foundation to start their schooling. Um, you're working on all aspects of the child, all areas of development, and really helping them to have um, a structured learning environment with play and um, being able to have the ability to learn during play and learn from mistakes. And it's just very in a nurturing way. And not all public schools have early childhood centers. Is that correct, Teresa? Most have some in the elementary settings, one class or so at right. each elementary, but I don't know very many districts that have an early childhood center. Like a dedicated, a dedicated building for these kids. For pre-K, so as correct. a principal and you're in there every day, what's the most exciting part for you when you walk in those doors every morning? You know, it's, it's a lot of things, but some things I can think of is um, the children coming in every day, smiles on their faces, um, they're ready to learn, and the teachers, just the things that um, that they teach from greeting at the door, hi, how are you, give me a fist bump, a high five, and um, having them come in and get started with um, manipulatives, hands-on curriculum, and just uh, lots of fun learning, dancing, play, movement, um, bookmaking with writer's workshop, just a variety of, of fun, fun developmental appropriate activities. When I think us as administrators, sometimes we forget there's so much fun going on there. So whenever I, whenever I'm having a bad day, I literally will go to an ECC and those kids just uplift you. They want to know everything about you. They want to ask every question in the world. It's just the best feeling in the world when you walk in one of those places. So I, I tell everybody that in the buildings, like go to an ECC, just go hang out there. It's contagious. It's amazing. So Brandy, why working with early childhood? What, what, is that, what does that get for you and fill your bank in your heart? Um, as a speech pathologist, uh, my favorite thing is functional communication. Um, and I love that at the ECCs we get to just focus on them learning to communicate. Um, they, we want to know what their thoughts and their feelings and what makes them happy. And we get to kind of focus on that more than getting um, a little bit later bogged down in sounds are you working on and um, kind of that like data driven I do a lot of play-based therapy so we get to set in the floor where they get to um, explore communication and just learn the value in it and I love it. Well and really you guys are getting them at the very beginning where they all come from various backgrounds various parenting I mean that's got to be a crazy mix for you. Krista I'm looking at you. (laughs) (laughs) Yes that's true and I think it's so rewarding about um the pre-K classroom, um, because we do have our ECCs, but we also have some solo sites in the district, but just pre-K, like what they come in doing and what they leave doing is just amazing. The amount of growth, like even just language development, they'll come in and say things like, him said 
blah, blah, blah. Right. And then by the end there, they know to say, he said, you know, whatever. So it's just, it's just, I mean, just to see like, oh, Teresa sent me, um, she loves to send pictures of the growth in her building. I love that. I love every bit of it. It's so fun. (laughs) And the other day she sent me pictures of a child's writing samples and just how they went from like small lines of scribbles to creating pictures with a house and tree and a person. And it's, and it's all about learning through immersion and our amazing teachers that really facilitate that learning. Um, it's just, it's really special. Right. Well, happen. I always say there's a special place in heaven for two types of teachers, early childhood and middle school. <laughs> it's like you get the most transitions in both those, those areas and, and grade levels. My, my nephew went to Park Lane and you're right from the day one he started to the last day of spring, complete transformation. Just couldn't believe it. Just unbelievable. But let's keep going forward. Let's talk about school readiness. For those listening, what is that? Teresa? Well, <laughs> Do you like my transitions? They're so natural. Um, you know, school readiness, it's its a part of, um, starts almost in the home. Um, you you know, you parents need that encouragement. Hey, we're going to school. You're going to learn a lot. And um, they just, um, you know, first of all, learn basic skills, you know, um, where the restrooms are, <laughs> That's you know, important. Yeah, things like that. Um, <laughs> we do a lot of, um, social emotional type beginning of the school year. Um, they have to learn how to, um, look someone in the eye. We, you know, how to, I think um, you need to teach some adults that actually, it, it is hard. <laughs> it is hard. Yes. Um, um, but we, we do everything. It's continuity of care from building their social emotional skills to building their academic skills. And once we get the social emotional skills in place, um, that academic just takes off running and their academic skills just really grow. And we do a lot of things. We teach how to breathe when you get upset. Um, we have feeling buddies where, Oh, I see that you're sad. Which one are you? And we teach those emotions because it's okay to show your emotions, but we want to know how to react. Right. to those emotions. And so we do a lot, we have to do a, ro- a lot of role playing. You know, I have to say, oh, let's use our words. Let me give you those words. Oh, I, you didn't like it when he took your pencil. So let's say, I don't like it when you take my pencil. Next time, ask me, may I borrow your pencil? And so we're just, we're just setting that foundation of, you know, what to do when, uh, when you first come in, when you're feeling sad how you responded to and talk to one another. Taking turns is a really big skill. Um, a lot of times they don't really know how to share, you know. So we have, throughout our um, centers in the classroom, we, when the teacher puts out different play materials and dis- different manipulatives, we have to, you know, make sure that we teach and model all the time how to do those certain things. So you had mentioned parents, and you had mentioned parents before. How important is that parental involvement with their schooling before before they get there and during while they're there? Brandy? Um, I mean, the parents are, especially for communication, they're the biggest model. Um, but a very practical way at our school that I see those parents involved is that they walk into the classroom each day and pick their children up from the classroom at our school site. And so they're in constant communication with the parent. 
Um, and I just feel like I see my teachers and the principal and our school counselor, they just really work together as a team. Like, here's a problem that we're having, and we are going to, you know, kind of be up as much in your business as possible as <laughs> in a sweet way right, to right. say that in we're all In a caring, supportive way, yes. Um, yeah, yes. and they, they do wonderful, and I just feel like they're communicating constantly. And I think, too, with parents, sometimes I think they feel a lot of stress when you talk about school readiness, like that they need to be sitting down and showing them these are the colors, these are the shapes, these are those kinds of things. When really it's about in the moment, just really like play by play of your life. Like when they're like, oh yeah, that's a, or bring me the red hat or that's just to add those little descriptors in there. Um, they, they'll just absorb it and they'll pick it up. And so it's, it's really things, small things that they can do. Like while you're in the car, having conversations about the environment around them or even to um, listen to songs that have, you know, a lot of rhyme. Um, nursery rhymes are are hard to come by, but right. they're so, so important for right. early reading development. Um, so just things, little small things like that. It's not something when it comes to school readiness that they have to carve out time for. It's just living, mm-hmm. living in the moment. And Well, and think how often our kids mimic us. Just even little mm-hmm. things. So they're constantly watching everything you right. do. So right. that could play into that, yes. just watching by example. Yes. Okay, so we talked about school readiness, language development, because as you said, some kids get there, they kind of get their him, her, his, that mixed up. How, how do you get them on that path of speaking correctly and, and having a full conversation? And I'm looking right at you, yes. Brandy. This is right <laughs> up your alley. Yeah. Um, again, modeling is just the best thing. And I tell parents a lot, you don't need to correct your child and make them fix it. Um, if they say him is going, um, you can say, oh yeah, I, I heard you say he is going. So you're not making them feel like what they said is wrong, but giving them, you know, correct guidance and models. Um, and then, you know, kind of the fact that we're dealing with right now is, you know, we have these little pandemic babies um, and we, pandemic. yeah, we've, we're seeing lower language. That's a new scores. term. I love it. Um, I, don't, I don't think I coined that term. I don't think so, but. Trademark brandy. Yeah. No. Um, but they, they have had, you know, less exposure to peer language models or just being around like large groups of community. Um, but our school this year, our school-wide goal was a language goal. So it was to kind of work on those answering WH questions, and our teachers really got behind that. But parents can do that. My favorite place is in the car. They're kind of strapped in, and they um, – Captive audience, yeah, as I like to say. they can go anywhere. <laughs> and if you can keep them off of a screen in the car and just kind of practice, like, talking. If yeah. you go to the grocery store, what did we buy? Where are we going to put it? Who's going to use it? Just a million questions with – simple little items or um, another place I like to practice is in the bathtub. Again, captive, captive audience. audience yeah. They can't get out. and Well, they can, but it won't yeah. be fun. No. <laughs> um, but it's just a good place where we're screen free. We can be eye to eye um, and really engage with the parent or grandparent. So well. you mentioned the pandemic mm-hmm. and Teresa said, let me, I'll talk to you about this. Um, how in the world does a four-year-old do distance learning when they had to do that back in March of 2020 and they're in the middle of their pre-K year. How in the world does that happen for a four-year-old? Their attention span is that of a fly at that point. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I don't, uh, know necessarily if, um, 
they particularly understand it, but their parents have, right. you know, um, been communicated to by our district and by the classroom teacher. And basically, they all have a synchronous lesson, um, and it's a time that they can get on and see their teacher on distance learning um, through our a Google Meets or a Microsoft Teams Meets. And um, they're reading stories to them. Um, they may have a show and tell time. Uh, they are doing their Hegarty, which is our final uh, phonemic awareness program. And um, it's just, it's amazing. It's about 20 minutes. And um, we also send a lesson plan home every day and or every time we have a distance learning Monday or a snow day. And when that pesky guy calls you and tells you to <laughs> go home or whatever. Right. That and then guy. they answer the question of the day. Um, their attendance is counted that way or being on the live synchronous lesson. And then um, just just a, a variety of things that uh, the teacher, you know, has them do. And a lot of it is nothing but it might be they have something to write their name at home, practice writing their name. Um, might have sent home some paper with some squiggly lines so they can practice their fine motor skills with a pair of scissors. Um, just easy, easy, um, appropriate things for pre-K. And um, But, you know, I think we, we had got at least had half on, half of the class on during our snow days these past. Um, I try to get on every one of my teacher's live sessions. Um, me and my child and family resource specialist will split. I'll say, who are you going to do today and who are you going, you know, and we split that and get on those sessions so that the kids can see our faces too. And then it shows the parents that we're supporting our teachers. Well, and to me, and you can back me up or totally correct me, but the technology integration is so important for that age because I don't know about you, but I had a five-year-old that could do my iPhone better than I could. Right. <laughs> so I think they learn that early right. and get integrated. Right. And um, research shows and talk tells us that we're training students right now for jobs that haven't even been created. And so that's a cool thought. Yeah. My gosh. And yeah. so when you think about that, I mean, technology is all around us. And so to completely ignore technology, even though Play is so important too, but it it would be um, not wise of us to ignore the fact that these kids did grow up with, or you know, even at four, can can are well versed in oh, the technology. They can work a tablet. Yes, they can. like nobody's business. So, <laughs> so with that, you know, the district has um, paid for every pre K student to have access to. Um, a curriculum that's research-based with only 15 minutes a day. Oh, and it's nice. showing that um, time after time they are they're ahead of schedule if they just do this program for 15 minutes a day. And so even though, like, we don't want to support a child to be on technology a lot of times, but 15 minutes a day is, is, is not unreasonable. Um, but also some of the things that um, our teachers have asked of, students to do during distance learning are like sort laundry or mm -hmm. or gather things in nature and classify them I mean classification is so important for science and helping them to pick out details and with language just to be able to describe the descriptor words that they use to describe an acorn as it's bumpy and it's smooth and it's um, oval shape and so those kinds of things are still so important and are part of like that's a lesson and it may not seem like because it's not a worksheet Sometimes it's hard for people to see that as an important lesson, but it's so important for 
them to build on, to add for science discussions later on, even in, I mean, they talk about classification things in high school, so it's important. And we're in the middle of enrollment right now, is that correct? Yes. Okay, so what's some important enrollment information that parents need to know to get their child into ECCs next year? So the um, we have, if you check the website, the Broken Air Schools. That's baschools.org. <laughs> and there is um, and some it's, enrollment is online, actually. It's very easy. Um, and um, I have a lot of parents reach out to me through email, and I just send them the link. Nice. And um, they just enroll online, and basically you need um, their birth certificate. You'll need a utility bill. You need your parent, the parent's ID. Yes. Sure, the parent ID. Mm-hmm. Um, a, you said utility bill. Mm-hmm. Immunization shot, records. Yes, immunization shot records. records. That's yes. right. Yes. Well, besides the logistical stuff, what are some like good emotional things that parents need to know about enrolling their kid? Because I've been there on the first day, and I think the parents are more upset than the kids are. Oh, true. <laughs> when they enroll, true. when they go to school, the kids are walking through those doors ready to go. The parent is you know silently weeping in the corner, or not so silently. Yeah, we've put some things in place that allow families some more, more opportunities to be in the building prior to school starting. So we have open house at all of our early childhood centers on April 10th. Is that right? May 10th. Oh, May 10th. Mm-hmm. May 10th. It's a Tuesday. Wrong. Fast mm-hmm. forward. Yes, mm-hmm. wrong month. May 10th. And they can come for an hour and just look at the building, see the classroom. So the kids start to think about, have a visual of what's happening. Right. Then in August, two day, um, prior to school starting, we have screenings at every ECC and at the solo sites where they come and we do a developmental screening um, just to see what they already know. It's not something to really prepare for. It's not for. a magic bullet kind of thing. You know, it's mainly to get an idea because this is the first time we're meeting them and they're meeting us and just trying to understand because every student's different, understand the child. And so they come for that. Those are at the sites as well. And the parents are filling out paperwork where, while a teacher or a TA is doing the assessment or the screener. And then they'll have meet the teacher. Mm-hmm. And that's the day before school starts. So they'll come and they'll actually meet the teacher where they've been assigned and have an opportunity to drop off school supplies. And Well, and that's a lot of familiarity you're establishing with them before right. they've even begun school yet, which, of course, is pretty important you know you walk starkly into a new building so they'll be in the building three times before their first day of school because if they get to come to the tour of the open house in may if they can and then they've got the screener day that they come and then they get to meet the teacher very cool they have the ability to do that so it's it's wonderful we don't have as many tiers um, now, mom and dad's, yes, not as many kids. <laughs> yeah, when my brother-in-law, when I went with him on their kids' first day, I had to, like, tell him, you need to leave the building. <laughs> you're going to upset the kid when you're upset. But, you know, that's fine. It's par for the course, right? So let's talk about future endeavors, the future of ECCs. And, Brandy, we'll start with you. If you had, like, a million dollars and you can incorporate some great stuff into, what are some stuff you'd like to dream about to get into development of a speech path, but also ECCs overall? Um, From a speech standpoint, at our site, we host um, a DD3 and a DD4 classroom, and those are for students with a developmental delay. Um, And I am working really hard with our team to just put as much visuals around our school, um, possibly incorporating augmentative communication um, just throughout our building um, and just saying we're going to you know, make this accessible for every student and um, just give them all those opportunities to point and talk as much as possible. 
but that's my big I like it. I like your dream. Yes. And what about just the future of early childhood in general? Like, are are we on a good path? Are we doing really well? Is there stuff that we need to like work on? I, I really love our school site and, um, I love all the teachers and I see their sweethearts. Um, I feel like I'm in all the classrooms, so I kind of get a picture of everyone and just, um, I just hope parents feel assured that when a child is upset, they're taking them out and holding them and, you know, kind of rubbing their back and just reassuring them that you are safe here and um, we want to set that foundation going forward that they know that our, our teachers care about them and that they're safe here at school. So Fantastic. Fantastic. Teresa, what about you? What about the future? Well, for the future, um, I would love to be able to um, hold district-wide parent meetings. Oh, interesting. Just ask questions. How do I do this with my child? What can I do? I need help with this. Where can my resources be? Um, and we have I've heard so many parents this year that's like, I don't know what to do. How can I help them? And so I would be love to be able to, if I had a million dollars, to be able to, <laughs> you know, um, go get some parents' tra- uh, teachers training and be able to host those for our district, whether it is through po- weekly podcasts that I send out to parents, just talking about and having different questions that they might send in to me, or actually having a meeting um, with at a school site or at the Kirkland Theater or something just to have those open mic nights, basically, of just question and answers and uh, just in general uh, from birth to four, five years old. Well, and you said podcast, so I've given you the bug. So now you're going to start hosting a podcast every week, right? (laughs) That's right. Or what about you, Kristen? What about some big dreams in the future of ECCs in the district? I think that we're on the right path for sure. Um, I would say the future really depends on the teachers that we're bringing in and um, their love for early childhood. And um, because really our teachers are so amazing at um, building these amazing classrooms and offering these amazing learning opportunities. And so that can't happen without these teachers. So and before we go, I want to also talk real quick about the summer slide, or as we call it in Broken Arrow, maintain the brain. Yes. Let's talk about the importance of that. How, how do we get parents to buy into this amazing program that you developed last year? Let's talk about that. As far as buy-in, I think. Like like getting the kids involved, get them involved, because it's a team effort to it get is. kids to be part of it. Because what, what is that? I, I don't know the data off the top of my head, but what is the, the loss of education over the summer that they forget, that they lose? Four months. Wow. Two months. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's that's a lot of knowledge to slip away. Yes. So how do we get parents and students to engage in that, to be a part of that, to not lose that? I think they have to really understand that it doesn't have to be like you're putting your child in, you know, reading for eight hours of the day. It is seriously that 15 to 20 minutes a day focus on just keeping things fresh. Even, I mean, I have a son in junior high and one in high school and it is a battle even for them just you know I'm like you guys have just got to read just read for 30 minutes or um you know their math skills are like thanks mom randomly thanks a lot but I just think (laughs) just counting or um things just to keep it fresh but we as a district we have Waterford that is offered to all of our pre-k through second grade students they will have that program still available to them all summer and then third 
through fifth grade students will have Imagine Language or Math, both of them. They have both of those offered to them all summer. And then our sixth through eighth grade students all have IXL. So all those programs um, have been paid for by the district and are, are free to families so that they could get on there for 15 to 20 minutes a day. So the resources um, are there. We're ready there. to go. Yes. Okay. So. And we'll have more about that at the end of school year. We'll talk more about Amanda the Brain. They'll be on all of our websites and social media, and we'll, we'll push that again. So as we wrap up, any last thoughts, Teresa? Well, in the early childhood centers, our mantra is explore, connect, create. So we, we provide those hands-on, you know, experiences for them um, so that they connect those experiences and then create a project of some sort. So we do a lot of project-based learning. This is units of studies over clothing or roads, construction, um, trees, different things. And so we have a, a, a lot of fun opportunities for students in Broken Arrow. Very cool. Brandy, last thoughts, feelings? Um, I'm just thankful to be a part of the ECC team. And um, I I mean, being an insider, it's just wonderful, and I hope that parents know how loved and cared for their children are. Fantastic. Kristen, last words, famous last words. I would like to echo what she said. <laughs> just this team, the early childhood teachers, principals, speech pathologists, special ed teachers, everyone is here to for the growth of children, and um, it's, it's a really special place, and I hope parents, the, the more involved – they can be in their child's life. They're, these doors are open for them to have that opportunity for involvement and and be a part of their child's education. So. Very cool. Well, thank you all so much for joining me today. So us. glad thank to have you. you. See, it was pretty fun, right? It, was. it wasn't fun. like I was lining as well saying, now speak. Well, thank you all so much for joining us on uh, Core Values, an official podcast of Broken Arrow Schools on the Arrow Vision Network. And we'll see you next time.